As you go up into mountains, usually the symbolism is that you, you come to a new understanding, that your, your thoughts ascend. Um, and, and then, of course, it's accompanied with the descent that you, that you go down and that whatever has happened on this mountain, this understanding that you've come to, it now influences the way that you see life off of the mountain. Um, it, it changes you. And in this case, it is the, the radiance of Christ. It is this glowing um, reality on which the, these three disciples look upon. We see that they are never the same. When we look upon Christ, our eyes are healed. The fathers say that they're trained. That we come to see new. Whatever ways your eyes have been conditioned by this world, whatever images distract you from the radiance of Christ, the glory of God, whatever thoughts fill your mind, your head, actually the the radiance of Christ can help you see anew. This is why we value beauty so much. This last week, I was in here for evening prayer. It's just a day full of a lot of heavy things going on, a lot of meetings, a lot of struggles. And it was one of those days where I couldn't wait to get to evening prayer. There's just something about, one, being with the people that we're with every week, week in and week out, to hear their prayers carried, carrying me on so, in some ways, to sort of let my shoulders rest in the presence of God. And the lights went out and the votive candles were still flickering and there, I went back there to snuff them out and I saw the image of Jesus on that cross. And I just literally, it's comforting to look upon Jesus and to go back out these doors and realize that what you see in him changes the way you see everything. Hans Borsma speaks of the transfiguration as a symbol that doesn't point away from itself to the glory of God, but instead, to a, not to a future kingdom that he would bring about, but it is a sacrament that rendered God himself and his future kingdom really present to the disciples at Mount Tabor. He continues, divine and future realities are present in and thus impinge upon this worldly events. The reality of who Christ was, that he truly is God. Second Peter, we see that it confirmed the prophecies in their heart. They had heard them, they had seen them, they had been told by Jesus himself, but now they see this radiance, they hear the voice from heaven, and it confirms upon them that God is Christ, Christ Jesus is the one who is from the Father. He is God. And this is broken into their world. They will never be the same. It confirms their hearts 
and it, it confirms the prophecies that they've been told, Moses and Elijah, but it also consoles them in their time of grief that they would face at the bottom of that mountain. They needed this to happen. The one who they traveled with is, in fact, God. Jesus is Lord. They recognize Jesus as Lord, and this changes everything. Our whole posture, our whole view of the world, our understanding, even of our identity, is all wrapped up in who Jesus is. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Master. Jesus is the one who tells us who we are. And we go down from this mountain with new eyes. Moses takes, has a meeting with God in the clouds on the mountain. And then God calls out from the cloud. And then you hear, so there's still this veiled reality, this cloud. But then you see Elijah now who, who hears the voice of God in the mountain. He's called up by God to the mountain. And then he goes to the mountain and he hides in a cave. And God calls him out of the mountain. And there's still a veiled sense of who God is because Elijah's looking for him and listening for him in one way. And it says God speaks to him in a whisper. But this is a little bit different. It's the same mode of communication. But here at the transfiguration, there is no veiling. There is nothing left to the imagination. It is there in front of their faces. God calls out to them, and the radiance of Christ shines forth. And Mark 8 says, how, how, how is it that you don't understand? And now, in light of this occasion, they understand. There's no denying who Jesus is. He confirms it. The voice from heaven, the radiance. There is no more veiling. They get to see reality behind the veil. Have you ever felt like this? I mean, it's, it's kind of the age-old thing of like the writing on the wall or God, I'm right here. Would you just speak to me? Or God, why is it that I can't understand? Why is this so hard to understand? Sometimes it might feel to you like God is elusive, like you're chasing him and, and sort of it's like Ecclesiastes, it's like a chasing after the wind. You can't get it. You can't bottle it. You can't describe it. St. Chrysostom says that his divinity was actually hidden in his humanity to a degree up until now. Now it is something to be grasped. And this is the mercy of God. This is the goodness of God. For these three disciples who were about to face their own death, who would watch Jesus walk to his death on, on a cross, that he would confirm these things and say, take heart. Take heart. Their, their pain didn't go away. Their suffering didn't go away. The temptations that they would face at the bottom of the mountain would greet them there. But at least they knew that where Jesus was leading them, they could follow. And they could follow with confidence because Jesus has been revealed as the one of God. 
Transfiguration is placed right here on this Sunday for that reason. Lit is a place where we stop intentionally the busyness of our life. We find quiet, we open up our hearts, and we say, God, search us, and we fall before him in, in a symbolic way and say, God, we are sorry, we are frail, we are weak, we need your help, search us. And we recognize how difficult life can be. And so before we go into this season, we read of Jesus standing on this mountaintop in all of his radiance and say, you're going to face all of this stuff, but you can do it with the assurance of who Christ is. Take heart. Be comforted. As we turn towards Jerusalem, towards the passion, as we follow Christ literally and figuratively throughout this season, we do it with the assurance of Christ. While so many walked away from Jesus, as we've talked about in the last few weeks in the text, demanding signs and proofs, it was Peter who boldly confessed that Jesus was the one who is from the Father. But even then, he would, be contempted, he would be tempted over and over again to deny, to walk away. But we are told that Christ has shown himself to them in order to comfort them, to calm their fears, and to give them the assurance. Listen, this is, this is the beauty of Christ, who is God and our companion along the way. That he would say, I want to come near to you in this moment and walk down the hill with us and on the path and say, come with me, follow me. That he does so first by showing us his mercy and his grace. Take heart. This is a meeting between Jesus and his closest friends. And we don't see an exasperated Jesus saying, what is your problem? How many times do I have to tell you? How many times do I have to show you? Do you still not understand? Instead, you see a Jesus who wants to show them himself as he really is with no veil. You see, Christ wants us to understand. He wants us to ascend the mountain, to come into this cloud, not that veils, but illuminates Christ for who he really is, so that we might not camp on the mountain, but descend, uh, descend the mountain and go back into the world with new eyes. Transfiguration shows Jesus' desire. Do you hear that? His desire to open our eyes. To see anew. In the darkness of Lent, may our prayer be with the psalmist. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer. May our hearts say of you, Seek his face. 
Your face, Lord, will I seek. Imagine how looking upon Jesus would have changed after this. They said, don't leave, don't leave. Have you ever been in a moment like that where you just want to sit? Let us, let us put booths here like the temple. Let us, let us have tents here so that we can stay with you. We'll make enough for all of you to stay here. Jesus, just stay here with us. Let us, let us stay above the things that are under us. Let us stay up on this mountain that we might gaze upon your face. Listen, we have to go back down the mountain, but I pray that something wells up in your heart this Lenten season to where you can just say, Lord, one thing I ask, one thing I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Why? Not to escape the world, not to avoid hardship, not to have to face the realities of temptation or the stack of things on your desk at work, not to not feel the heartache of loss, but that we might gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and that that would be enough. That we would seek him in his temple. Church, don't miss this this Lenten season. Climb that mountain. Let's walk up that path together. Let's seek his face. And in seeking his face, may we descend forever changed. May we make our home in Christ to gaze upon his beauty, not then on that day, but even now as we descend back into the everyday. Your face, Lord, will I seek. Amen.